0: At the age of 30, Misty Shearer rejoined the Canadian Forces, this time as a combat engineer. Originally from Hamilton, Ontario, Misty was an experienced member of the Forces, having spent years as a military police officer before her year-long departure. Misty has won lots of medals in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kettlebell competitions, but she says her proudest accomplishment... The first female from the regular Rex to become a combat diver.
1: Because they told me I wasn't gonna do it and you know, the odds were really against that I was even gonna be able to do it. But everything aligned. I had the right sergeant and the right people around me that would give me the chance instead of saying Whatever shoe, doesn't matter if you're whatever, we don't care you're a female. He actually gave me a fair chance with all the guys and put me up against them.
0: After leaving the forces for a second time, Misty went on to become a paramedic in the city of Edmonton and discovered her true love, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Misty, now a black belt, is an instructor at the school she co-owns in Edmonton and says working with young girls is particularly rewarding
1: and uh, and i see these girls from when they started when three and four and now they're eight years old they're not much bigger but man they're not afraid to take on any boy it is it's it's so rewarding to watch them you know because you know they're, they're small some of them are small they haven't hit puberty yet and they're just not afraid and i and i think that's phenomenal that to me is yes my little warriors.
0: On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Misty talks more about her love affair with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and she recommends a good kettlebell workout for middle-agers looking to stay in shape. Misty Shearer on this episode of Run It Like a Girl.
2: Today I'm sitting in my basement and I'm super excited because I'm uh, about to have an amazing conversation with Misty Shear, who is the head instructor and owner of Brazil 021 Edmonton. Misty, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you.
2: Um I think it's it's really interesting how we actually first connected which was around another guest Erica Oliver who we featured in in November and Erica is a uh, uh was a a combat diver and how we got in touch was actually she had all along thought she was the first one for a non-commissioned combat diver uh in Canada but it turns out she was not she is actually the second and and you yourself were the first
1: Yes and a couple of years before her and that's why I think you know, you don't know if you don't know the same people. And I didn't stay in after much longer. So I think it was just one of those, you miss it. And there's not a lot of lists. There's only one known list that's uh, online that you can find and check numbers. And not everyone's on there. So it was just something really easily missed. And, you know, it, we were in different regiments. So you never really hear of each other.
2: Well, yeah. And I mean, and I think it's cool because there was uh, there was actually a a few people had reached out to me and saying, hey, just, you know, Erica is amazing and this is great accomplishments, but there is someone else you might want to chat with. (laughs) Um, So that was great, too. And we got to talk. And now here you are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it is kind of small. It's a small world. And I just got sent the article. I'm like, huh? And it's just it's just crazy how it kind of turned out. I think it's great.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. So, you know what, let's, let's start. I'd love to know because uh, you started your career in the military as an MP, I believe, um, before you kind of went with the engineers. I would just like to know why, why the military? How did, how did you make that decision?
1: I was 19 and I lived in Hamilton. Wasn't really good in school. I was a C student, if that. And my, I would come from the military. My dad was 27 years in the Navy I grew up around the military and he's like, I don't want you to, I want to be a cop. He's like, I don't want you to get shot by a drug dealer. Why don't you try the military? And then I got in, I got in and I was gone within six months. So, um, that's just, my dad put me in that direction.
2: That's, that's awesome. And, um, and what, w- what was your experience like as, as an MP? That must be uh, such an interesting job. And I know you also went overseas with that role. Um, love to just hear a little bit about your experiences.
1: MP back in the 90s, it was a little bit different. We were more like security guards. People probably get mad at me for that one. But where I was stationed at Edmonton, it was. Um, it was a lot different back then. Plus, how women were treated, way different. So, uh, you know, it, it was really, really tough. I did not have a good experience. Uh, I did some amazing things. Um, I, but I got to go overseas um, in, uh, oh, it would have been 96, with um, as the U.N., so I got to do the military police platoon, got to do some really cool stuff there. And um, yeah, and then I then I left the military for a very short time.
2: OK, yes. And then um, so that I guess then was it when you came back, you decided to uh, try to go in for being uh, for engineering in the combat diver. I, what made you make that decision?
1: Well, I, got, I was out. I was only out for about a year. And then I, w- I was working at the Home Depot as a manager. And it just was, wasn't my thing. I really missed the military. So when I tried to get back in, they th- I didn't qualify for an MP. <laughs> the written test they made me do it again. And I totally bombed it. Oh, no. I've been out of school for so long. And I was like, oh, my God. So they're like, it was infantry, engineer, artillery. And uh, engineers seemed the coolest because you get to blow stuff up. I didn't know anything about combat divers at the time. So 30 years, you know, I'm like about 29 years old. I'm like, sure, let's do this. And I joined the, and then I get back in as a combat arms and the engineers, they did honor my rank. I was really fortunate that way. So I got to maintain a, a corporal and, um, yeah, I did my, uh, threes in Petawawa, which was the first and only time it was ever in Petawawa. It was, uh, they were, old. they needed engineers and Gagetown couldn't have, and they couldn't run enough courses so Petawawa volunteered to do, I believe it was supposed to be three, but it turned into two. So they gave um, a very hardcore uh, regiment uh, courses. It was it was insane what had happened. Uh, we were kind of tortured. They'll probably be mad at me for saying that too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we did that course and then, then I got posted to Edmonton.
2: Wow. Um, and so you, were, you said you were 29, 30 years old. Um, was that older than most? Like what is the average age of a, someone starting out in that where most of them just kind of coming into their careers or
1: most of the, most of them were, most of them are in their early twenties. And then there was a few of us, but remember I'm a female yeah. in a, a combat. Like there was, uh, two women in my course. The other woman didn't pass. Uh, so I was the only female that graduated. I think there was maybe one in the other one. And there's just not a lot of women. I think there was four women total in one CR when I got there. And, uh, Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of us. So 30 years old doing that course was something else.
2: I bet it was. I bet it was. And, um, so I would love to ask you then, and and I know a lot of, a lot of things have changed in the military over the years and, uh, and also, you know, a lot more women kind of joining and in various positions, but what would your advice be to a woman who wants kind of that kind of career?
1: get some tough skin, you really got to be able to blend with the men and let them see you as an equal. I think the greatest compliment, cause I was always in the field trips. Cause I could, I got lucky when I was an MP, I got a lot of tickets for all my light drivers and there wasn't a lot of drivers in my regiment, in my troop. So I was always driving MLs and all the different vehicles. So, um, you got to, you got to have really thick skin. You got to be able to blend with the men and not be treated differently. When I did my diver course, it was Shamu did it the year before. Um, They didn't have women's standards. So the year I did it, the standards came out. They were different than the men's and they were lower. And I knew I'm like, there's only way I'm going to do this is I have to hit the male standards. And I did. And uh, it's just to get the respect from the men. Mm -hmm. Right. So That was, you have to have thick skin. You got to be in amazing shape and uh, you just got to trust yourself. You really got to be confident on when you make a decision, you deal with it, or, you know, don't put yourself in bad situations, especially when there's 40 men and just one of you. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I would love to know then as you were coming up, were there certain people like that you would consider mentors that helped you kind of through the challenges, um, just you know, in what kind of role has mentorship played as you tried as you went through the military and beyond?
1: Um, in the military, wasn't a lot. There was the odd female, because again, back in the nineties, even as the engineers, there was a, a warrant. She was an admin clerk, um, but she was tough as nails, man, because the regiment's the regiment, and um, there wasn't a lot of women, so we didn't have anything to look up to. So I had some male sergeants that were really they you know, it, they really treated me equal and most of them didn't. And that's okay. I, I get it. But there was always those few that I could like, kind of a little bit rely on. Um, and there was one very particular, he never did the tie, of course he always regretted it. And I, he was an amazing sergeant. His name was Sergeant Stan Noctigal. And, uh, he was, he really supported me and he was one of the few that, that did none of them. They couldn't care less. They didn't think I was going to make it they were all um, had bets on it. They had a big board, and they're making bets who would who would last and who wasn't. I was thirty years old, and there was thirty three guys, and I don't think one of them was over the age of twenty five. Wow! <laughs> so, you know, the odds are pretty against me.
2: So it's incredible, and in a like a real testament to to you and your drive and your, uh, um, and what you wanted to accomplish. That's awesome. That, and I don't think that you know, there's not too many out there that that kind of have that. Um, so maybe kind of talking about a little bit about so after you left the military you actually now you've gone into kind of a different you're a business owner
1: so when I got out of the military um I became a uh, an EMR uh so working learning then I went to an EMT and then I went right into a par- paramedics and um I did uh, got my paramedic license so I'm an advanced care paramedic and then I got hired by the city which was pretty prestige back then city of Edmonton you were, you were the cream of the crop and I uh, was a paramedic, a road medic for many years. I was a tactical paramedic. So we worked with police. Um, so I did a lot of Thames training um, with the police and then with the Aula unit. Um, and then was just, I think I, my brain was full. A lot of damage, you know, you see a lot of stuff and with everything. I started to realize uh, it wasn't a long career. So I, um, I'm still a paramedic today, but I'm casual. But uh, I ran, I fell into my love, which is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and uh, found a business partner at the time and opened up my own business.
2: So tell me about that. And were you into um, uh, martial arts and jiu-jitsu when you were in the military? Is that something you started after you left? Um, And how did that become part of your life?
1: I started after I left because at the time women weren't allowed and there wasn't, jiu-jitsu wasn't in Canada yet as strong. And women weren't allowed to do a lot of things in nineteen ninety. Women couldn't do kickboxing. I couldn't join any school in this in the, in the city. Um, I I ran into a jujitsu guy who was kind of doing it when it was first raw into Edmonton. Only a couple years. I think there was one school doing it, and I was like, "What's that? I want to do that." And um and I got hooked. So I did it while I was in paramedic school, and I think that's what kept my sanity was jujitsu when I was being when I was a paramedic. Yeah.
2: Wow. So and and now, I mean, tell us a bit about because uh, you, you're uh, and I don't want to get the language wrong, but you, so you're a black belt, um, yeah. and uh, just that's, that's incredible. And now I remember when we had our kind of our pre-call where we were just chatting and you mentioned that you have a lot of, uh, you know, young girls in your class and you, um, and you're training a lot of different people. And while they may not, you know, ever be the elite kind of athlete that you became that, um, it's providing such confidence and opportunity for these girls. I'd love to know, talk to me a little bit about what it's like now as an instructor and, and what kind of you get from it and why you keep doing it. Uh
1: um, because I'm crazy, I think. But I have the <laughs> best job in the world. I have an amazing school. It's not very big. There's maybe a hundred total students, half mostly kids. I ran into doing kids by accident. I don't own any children. I never wanted to own children. I had a couple nieces uh and nephews type of thing. And then I just I I got talked into it and then I fell with it, and it's been so rewarding. I always deny it's not. It's so rewarding. And, and I see these girls from when they started when three and four and now they're eight years old. They're not much bigger, but man, they're not afraid to take on any boy. The big. My big boys, like my 11, 12 year olds to the, the smaller seven year olds. And I watch this confidence. I'm like, I wish I had that. I would have died to have a female uh you know as a role model as a coach but they just weren't they were just so far and few between and uh so I watched these girls give the stink to the boys and I'm like yeah (laughs) it's 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 so rewarding to watch them you know because you know they're they're small some of them are small they haven't hit puberty yet and they're just not afraid and I and I think that's phenomenal that to me is yes my little warriors
2: that's amazing. That must be. Uh, that yeah, that must be incredibly rewarding. Um, and you know, I'm just curious. Are do you still compete?
1: I do. I uh, I, I do the masters. Um, I've done open, and that was about seven years ago. But I'm 50 now, and I'm I'm pretty broken. I have lots of injuries from kettlebells because I compete in kettlebell sport in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is what really breaks you. Um, so I do uh, the masters. So the IBJJF, which is our governing body for jiu-jitsu. I compete at the Masters. So I compete in my body weight, my belt, and my age group within five years. So the last five years I've done that, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've, I've golded four to five years at my weight division and did absolute, th- won three golds and then one silver and one bronze in the absolutes. And that's when they put all of us together in our same age category and all the different weight classes. So I'm, I'm lucky that I can still compete at my age and my body weight because we're all we're all old and we're all broken in some way so (laughs) uh uh, so um it's it's phenomenal I do it once a year and I I learn it I learn a lot from that and I have have a lot of my um uh, students because they have to be over 30 we all go down and it's really team bonding and how to get ready for the competition and just you know how to test yourself on the mat
2: pretty cool experiences um, oh, yeah. Lots lots of fun <laughs> stories, too. I bet. I bet for sure. So um, also just kind of following up on that, curious if uh, if someone was looking to kind of, you know, maybe maybe even like older women, right? Like that haven't done martial arts. They haven't done anything like that, but they're looking for a way to kind of, you know, maybe still stay fit or get fit. Uh, what would you recommend for starting
1: uh, to get started as kettlebells? I, I, I teach and I and I, I mostly do at the sport level in, in Canada and and we and compete internationally and stuff, but just basic kettlebells because it does cardio, it does uh, it does strength, it does it hits all the big markers in for a very short time. So I always I used to that's how I learned how to do kettlebells was teaching most of them were women over thirty, hmm. and uh, I and the the workouts are really really uh, short. Finding a good instructor that's very well rounded. Cause you can do everything in 20 minutes. Cause honestly, cause who has time? Yeah.
2: Nope. Right? That's a, ex- yeah, <laughs> for sure. Get the
1: strength first, get the strength first and then, then do the fun, whatever the Spartan races or the marathons or whatever, but you got to get strong first before you put your body through that.
2: Okay. That's a great advice. And we have uh, kind of one question now that we kind of end the formal part of the podcast with for everyone that we interview. And that is if you could go back in time to when you were first starting out, um, and have lunch with yourself at that age. Uh, what would your conversation look like? What kind of advice would you be giving yourself?
1: I thought about this and I'm like, oh, I would be like big monster list. And then I thought, no, I would just, you're an idiot. You don't know as much as you do. And that's pretty much let myself fumble and bumble because that's the only way I was able to get to be where I am today. I made so many mistakes um, and, but to made right mistakes or right, right decisions, from doing the diver, which is my most, my most proudest accomplishment, even over winning lots of methods at that, because they told me I wasn't going to do it. And, you know, the odds were really against that I was even going to be able to do it. But everything aligned, I had the right sergeant and the right people around me that would give me the chance instead of saying, whatever she sure, doesn't matter if you're whatever, we don't care, you're a female. He actually gave me a fair chance with all the guys and put me up against them. And the next year I wouldn't have made it. It was another sergeant. I, he didn't. He hated women. It's fine. It is whatever. Not hate it, but we weren't equal, right? So I think I. I would just say you don't know as much as you do. <laughs> Start reading more, and just enjoy. That's all. I wouldn't change anything. I couldn't.
2: That's a great even. Though- That's a great answer. Um, and you know, what's funny is like, so there's lots of themes and the answers that we get from this question, but I think you're the first one that has said, um, and I think it's such an amazing response that, that you wouldn't change anything and that that all the mistakes you made have led you to where you are and to who you are. And if you could go back and tell yourself not to make those mistakes, how different would your life actually be? It'd probably be a lot different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah. So then that's all I could. I really thought about it and I was like, I wrote down some notes and I'm like, man, but I wouldn't have done all the dumb stuff or been able to experience all the cool things I have without making these bad mistakes because every, you know, you do five mistakes, but one, sometimes the good ones turn out
2: absolutely um so that's kind of that's the formal podcast but then this year we've added kind of like three quick questions uh really Mm -hmm. it's a way for me to find interesting things to read or to to check out but uh so Uh i'm just gonna ask you three questions and just uh let me know what you're thinking about it um okay the first is basically what's your favorite podcast or source of information
1: um i i do i started getting into podcasts i'm re i'm i'm on this um uh, when you hit 50, you go through a really rough time through physically and mentally. It's, it's been really tough. So with my injury, I've had really bad years of injuries. So I'm healing from them, and I can't do what I want to do. So I found, I stumbled across uh, uh, an author named William B. Irvine. He wrote A Guide to the Good Life. And I didn't understand what it was. And uh, my, one of my jujitsu students said, it's a life changer. And I looked at him, I go, what are you talking about? And it's about stoicism it's a, it's a Roman philosophy of life. I didn't think I was smart enough to read these, these Epicitus and Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, but I, I still, so I love it. So this stoicism on fire, this American really breaks it down and he can, he can make it to relate to, um, uh, our time. And I think it's really, I'm just really enjoying it right now.
2: That's awesome. So is that what you're currently, it's so, um, are you getting that? I'm just curious. Is that is that an actual a book or is that a podcast? What like, are you
1: stoicism is stoicism on fire is a podcast, cool. but I've been reading a lot of William B. Irvine, Ryan Holiday, Massimo. Oh. I cannot pronounce his last name. It's Italian. He wrote uh, How to Be a Stoic, but these authors are. Are bringing philosophy from roman times it's just a just honestly it's how to be a good human being it's not hard it's just don't be an a-hole <laughs> honestly don't be an a-hole and we could all get along so it's been it's been amazing it hit me at 50 and i needed it so it's just a really uh, uh, just a great movement into my older years and let a lot of crap go and realize I'm not 20 anymore
2: awesome awesome so <laughs> I love that um so I actually think you've answered this in terms of what you're currently reading you're reading everything you just talked about right now yes that's amazing yes.
1: yeah uh, I'm right now I'm reading Marcus Aurelius meditations because now I kind of understand it because I had to listen to all these other great professors and uh, philosophers uh that are American or, or European that can break it down and so we can understand it
2: cool very cool and who do you currently get inspiration from?
1: Ooh, that's um, that's a hard one. Um, I have a very good friend who is also my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu professor I went under a few years ago is Hannette Stack, and she's an amazing woman. Um, she's a seven time world Brazilian Jiu Jitsu champion. Um, she's my uh, my professor too, um, and you know so with all her trials, she just became an American citizen, left Brazil in a life there and moved to America many years ago and that just became a citizen, her and her, um, business partner, Andre, um, who also is my, my professor. It's just incredible. So a lot of times when I think things are tough, you know, I think of them or I talk to her and she's been able to help me, especially run the school. Andre Hanat have been, how to run a jiu jitsu school when you don't know what the heck you're doing.
2: Awesome. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, well, Misty, I want to thank you so much. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely better for uh, being connected to you. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to chat with me. So thanks. Oh,
1: and thank you so and so much. And I, I'm so glad Erica was on to, to get it out there. She's done some amazing, incredible, incredible stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we're getting there. Cool.
0: Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. The producer is Brian Long. Technical and web assistance from Dan Moak. And music by the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Nasheen Liu is a technology marketing expert holding down executive positions with the IT Media Group, a well-respected company within the Canadian technology and media community. Nasheen has been involved in technology marketing for over a decade, previously heading up software marketing nationally for Sun Microsystems of Canada. Nasheen Liu on the next episode of Run It
1: Like a Girl.